I've slowly come to the conclusion that there are such things as interplanetary spaceships. I'll have to stick my neck out and say that because I believe it at long last. Psychiatrists often call these reported UFO sightings illusions, hallucinations, self-delusions. I'm not saying that there aren't things in the sky that we don't know about. What I am saying is that when there's anything that one doesn't know about, then the mind fills it with a great mass of fantasy. And that most of what we're dealing with in these reports is almost certainly fantasy. Fact or fiction, myth, menace, or marsh gas. This is an age when scientific and technological developments are rapidly making yesterday's fiction fact. How much do we know, and how we know what we know, is what tonight's CBS Reports is all about. Hey all, welcome back to Wetwired. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. We're back, and this time we're here again with UFO researcher. You're a researcher, Bradley. UFO researcher Bradley Pleasure. What's up, guys? How you doing? He got it right this time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun one to get right. It's very nice to say. Very pleasurable to say. So everybody who's been listening remembers that we had Bradley on a few weeks ago with the idea that we would briefly cover the history of modern UFO encounters and the disclosure movement, as well as some of the related government programs up until the present. Again, the idea was to briefly cover these things so that we could spend most of our time talking about the UFO disclosure movement in 2023. After recording that episode, I definitely had the idea that the plan didn't exactly work and it felt like we got derailed immediately by my own co-host, who instead of sticking to the outline, dove right into a question about Blink-182 musician Tom DeLonge. You're welcome. <laughs> but to be fair, <laughs> Bradley did bring up DeLong first, so I guess Jules just couldn't help himself. I've got a lot to say about DeLong today, so. <laughs> so I, and I guarantee now that we're getting like we will end up in the present and DeLong is a big part of that, especially with his the creation of the To The Stars Academy and all of the people that have been drawn into that orbit from the defense community and then later on abandoned him largely. Well, the long story short. Ah! Oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> I liked it. I thought that was good. <sighs> oh, God. Uh, Don't feed the you. animals. <laughs> it is a pretty short story, too. It is, it is a short yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I had that idea that we had gotten, de that, and that was like what I took away after recording it, even after editing the episode, that we had gotten derailed, you know, from the get go and never really recovered. But after listening to it, we really did do a decent job of getting through a lot of that history, even though I derailed it too, because I had an immediate aside. Like I asked you in the beginning, Bradley, for like, like when did you think that, you know, the, 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 the what we would consider the modern UFO disclosure mo moment first started? I immediately, like I brought up a topic and I just was like, yeah, actually, instead of that huge question I just asked, why don't no. you tell me all about this guy? Yep. Yeah, and th that's totally on me. It happens all the time. 
Like it happens to everybody. I mean, like um, on True and On, it was like that. Like we didn't cover fucking anything on True and On, man. That's funny uh, because I actually I have I, I I know from other podcasts that they actually they actually do a considerable amount of of uh, of research and outlining for their episodes too. And if they, when they get derailed, it's not the plan. You know, they they have an idea about what they're going to do. Like that whole podcast seems like it's completely off the cuff, but it's not. I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, I, I, that was a great episode when when you were on their show. It was awesome. I mean, it, it was good enough to get me to contact you, so to come on <laughs> ours. So, you know, like I heard Brace talking on QAA about that recently, and because that's a whole thing, you know, the whole Burning Man thing, like the the oh, the, yeah, the, so the, the, the fake funny, news man. that he just completely spun up on his own <laughs> because was he was so bored funny. from a poli sci book. See, I, I, I love I, I love good hoaxes, so I'm I'm a big fan of this. Jules, I don't know if you caught this, but oh, but, I absolutely I, I listened okay. to the whole right. episode, and and th- so, the best part is that it's it's somebody who is aware of conspiracies and talks about conspiracies, starting a conspiracy. So as I, a joke, I saw this playing out like live, you know, because I was Same. on I was on Twitter that weekend and I was watching it lie. happen. I'm not going to lie. I got bamboozled at first. <laughs> well, I know I got, I got bamboozled to the point that I didn't know if it was true or false. Like I was absolutely skeptical that it was, that the whole thing was a hoax, but at the same time, it looked pretty good. So, it was pretty good. Right, so I don't assume because when I talk to people about this show and what we talk about on this show, every time when people ask me about it, they never know anything about what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, for everybody who doesn't know what happened, Burning Man was last weekend and well, the weekend before we're recording, we're recording on 9-11. It was the weekend before. Actually, it just ended. So it was the whole week, but this happened the prior weekend. Wait, Burning Man's a whole week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It yeah. culminates so in the So it, it just ended. Everybody, everybody just left. Oh, my God. That's such a long time, man. Hey, if you're spending a thousand bucks just so every, to be it's like in the money? desert, oh, it's more than that. I mean, well, I'm I, being conservative. That's if you're you, if you're joining your friend's group. Maybe I it was like free. <laughs> oh, way not. <laughs> so for people who don't know, like I said, Burning Man just ended the first weekend. La- the weekend before this one that just passed, they got very unusual rain. An inch of rain out there is a huge deal because it it typically doesn't rain. So that one inch of rain caused everybody's camps got flooded. Everything got washed out. There was mud everywhere. It, it was just a catastrophe. How how long has Burning Man been going on? Like 30 years? 40 issues? I, I think less than that, but... I'm not positive about when it's it first so started. Fun. It's so funny yeah. they didn't have a contingency plan for that. So, be, well, basically well, it was, because it, kind it of a just freak. doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. You know, like it, it really, it's a very dry area. So at any rate, the flooding happened. And it's not regular sand. It's this crazy fine sand that makes everything. Right. It's silt. Uh, yeah. So this story starts spreading around on Twitter that in addition to the flooding that FEMA had showed up and started erecting a barric- a barrier around the Burning Man camp. And it was declared a national disaster. And there were also these stories going around about somebody showing up with boils on their neck and you know, on their body and bleeding. 
And so this story just keeps ginning up with screenshots of text messages and like information about, you know, so-and-so getting sick. And it took off so much that Forbes actually wrote an article saying, no, there is not an Ebola outbreak at Burning Man. And essentially, the entire thing was in, was cooked up by one of the hosts of the Truanon podcast, Brace Belden. Again, because he was bored. I started telling my friends because um, I was in the army in 2014. And when the uh, African Ebola thing was going on, um, and we had a big, like all hands type thing at my unit. And like, it was a big fucking deal. A lot of people from my unit went to Africa to deal with it because we were a medical logistics unit and it was our time to shine. Um at that point, when I was thinking about that, I was like, I believe Brace. <laughs> well, it was really convincing up until the point, like the, the names that he came up with were the, the characters and, and the text seeing, messages. Yeah, seeing Drake's photo was what and then Drake's yeah. And then using Drake's photo. I mean, that was the thing. It was like, <laughs> obviously, this is bullshit. Somebody used Drake's photo for one of, the, one of their avatars, you know, one of these fake people he came up with. But the thing is that, like, I, I believed it when he was talking about Diplo being patient. And the zero. triple kiss in the marshmallow tent. <laughs> <laughs> that just the, the dumbest, maybe the dumbest type of guy in the world, the EDM DJs. I right. And it. It, the, he did that right after the, the picture of Diplo in the back of that pickup truck was spreading around social media with Chris Rock because they took off when the flooding happened and they hitched a ride with some other people. Mm-hmm. So it's Diplo and Chris Rock in the back of a pickup truck so basically like the like patient zero is escaping quarantine it's perfect <laughs> the triple kiss thing being the, I, the triple kiss was so just funny. beautiful yeah he was dabbing on us <laughs> yeah, that was good i think the the real the real art in what he did was that he he started writing something and then he was he was just so good at feeling out where it was going and mm-hmm. then he wrote something based on where it was going. He didn't have yeah. it all scripted ahead of time. He It was just like a big one riff after another. Mm-hmm. He just kept steering it. And then he said like, yeah, and then I just got bored with the whole thing. He's a natural born poster. I mean. And then when the shit hit TikTok, oh my God, that was oh, the yeah, worst. That shit's funny. People doing videos on TikTok and they had screenshots of the Truanon account. He didn't even change the profile picture for the Truanon account or the name of the account or anything. It just has, it has the same profile picture. It's always had as long as I can remember at least. And it's in the background of the people Mm -hmm. doing the green screen on TikTok. Most of y'all have probably heard that Burning Man was declared a national emergency, but there's some pretty crazy stuff coming out. So it was announced earlier that Burning Man was declared a national emergency because it was flooded. And so they sent in FEMA, which already seemed kind of like a weird reason to send in FEMA and keep anyone from leaving the festival. 73,000 people they're keeping locked in there for flooding. Now there's some new terrifying information coming out that there's a virus on the loose in the festival and that people are getting really sick with boils, vomiting, hemorrhaging. To me, this makes way more sense than flooding in terms of what their response was to the situation. This is a text from one of the festival goers, and he said, Yo, just figured you should hear from me first. Daryl is crazy sick with something that has him coughing up really coagulated blood. Medic showed up wearing a full suit. No idea where he is now. I would stay inside your camper. And he goes on to say that an outside agency is putting up a fence. This is a different festival goer that said, You're never going to fucking believe it. They're saying it's Ebola. 
freaking Ebola at Burning Man, guys. If this is true, that is insane. I just hope that everyone ends up being okay. I have such a hard time watching TikToks, but I, I watched this. Oh, God, it was so good. So good. All right, so I got derailed. I'm getting back to it because I want to acknowledge the fact that we are recording this on 9-11. And before we get going with this episode, I want to mention, I want to ring in the holiday. I want to put it like that by taking a minute to acknowledge how completely the U.S. has dominated global terrorism. Through sheer grit and determination, I want to add, the U.S. has single-handedly ushered in a thousand-year-long era of peace and prosperity across the globe. These are some of the highlights, courtesy of the Watson Institute of International and Public Affairs at Brown University. This is what we've sown. I mean, like this is what we can, we can look at and say, these are our accomplishments from all of this effort. Before you say anything, I want to butt in that um, I was just watching the U.S. Open final yesterday and uh, Daniel Medvedev, all the Russians had their flags taken away. It, it was just a gray block. They weren't allowed to have their flags. They weren't allowed to represent Russia because of Putin be Putin bad, I guess. Putin Putining. <laughs> and uh, didn't do that for the Iraq war. Such fucking bullshit. I mean, it's, it's, anyways, go ahead. You see who's in charge for this. You can tell who's in charge by whose flag gets taken away. Yeah. So these are some of the highlights, like I said, courtesy of the Watson Institute of International and Public Affairs at Brown University. At least 940,000 people have died due to direct war violence, including armed forces on all sides of the conflicts, contractors, civilians, journalists, and humanitarian workers. Over 432,000 civilians have been killed in direct violence by all parties to these conflicts. An estimated 3.6 to 3.8 million people have died indirectly in post-9-11 war zones, bringing the total death toll to at least 4.5 to 4.7 million and counting. Over 7,050 U.S. soldiers have died in the wars. We do not know the full extent of how many U.S. service members returning from these wars became injured or ill while deployed. Many deaths and injuries among U.S. contractors have not been reported as required by law, but it is likely that approximately 8,189 have been killed. 38 million people have been displaced by the post-9-11 wars in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, and the Philippines. The U.S. government is conducting counter-terror counter activities in 85 countries, vastly expanding this war across the globe. The post-9-11 wars have contributed significantly to climate change. The Defense Department is one of the world's top greenhouse gas emitters. The wars have been accompanied by erosions in civil liberties and human rights at home and abroad. The human and economic costs of these wars will continue for decades, with some costs, such as the financial cost of U.S. veterans' care, not peaking until mid-century. Most U.S. government funding of reconstruction efforts in Iraq and Afghanistan has gone towards arming security forces in both countries. Most of the money allocated to humanitarian relief and rebuilding civil society has been lost to fraud, waste, and abuse. The costs of the post-9-11 wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Syria, and elsewhere totals about $8 trillion. This does not include future interest costs on borrowing for the wars. The ripple effects of the U.S. economy have also been significant, including job loss and interest rate increases. U.S. policymakers scarcely considered alternatives to war in the aftermath of 9-11, or in debating the, the invasion of Iraq. Some of these alternative paradigms for addressing the problem of terror attacks are still available to the U.S. And last, because we love the troops, we love those troops, those beautiful troops, 
We love them, don't we, folks? <laughs> Post 9-11, the increasing rates of suicide for both veterans and active duty personnel are outpacing those of the general population. An alarming shift as suicide rates among service members have historically been lower than suicide rates among the general population. At least four times as many active duty personnel and war veterans of post-9-11 conflicts have died of suicide than in combat. So happy 9-11, guys. We did it, boys. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to bring all this stuff up is that the... It ha like a lot of this has to do with that, you know, memories are short. We get to, like, there's a lot of things going on now. It's easy to forget all this stuff because some of this stuff was 20 years ago. How old were you guys? 36. I'm 48. Okay. I was in first grade when it happened. See, that's exactly what I mean. And like, and some of us, our memories are short, but sometimes our lives are, are, are young and we just didn't live through a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And I did, you know, I was an adult through. The bulk of it. I remember uh, protesting in 2003 in high school against the war uh, or the lead up to the war before it happened. Anyways, in, biggest protest you know, in the country. Yeah. Like in history. Yeah. It was massive. It was absolutely massive. So like I was saying, the one that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring all this up on the anniversary of 9-11. And it's that, you know, there, there's also a lot of there's been a lot of image rehab done on George W. Bush. None on Dick Cheney. Nobody has done any re image <laughs> rehab on him at all. But there's been a lot done for George W. Bush. A lot of the people who don't remember him as the president because they were too young or sometimes not even alive, they they only see him as that ex-president, that ex-president who became a shitty painter and likes to hug and share gum with Michelle Obama. That's the only way that he's known now in this, you know, in this Trump era. And he paints shitty autocrats so, too. Like these are the people that I met along the journey. Like, come on, yeah, guy. My, the, the friends I made along the way. <laughs> have, you, have you heard? Um, have you heard James Adomian's bit where he um, he does uh, one of the cold opens on his podcast? Underculture is him as George W. Bush as Bob Ross painting nine eleven. <laughs> it is all right. So the podcast is called Underculture. Is that what you said, Bradley? The underculture, yeah. I don't know this podcast, but I'm definitely going to check it out. So fucking funny, dude. He's the guy who did George W. Bush in the Harold and Kumar movie. Gotcha. For anybody who wants to get a refresher or just wants to learn what George W. was like back then and get an idea of what us olders all experienced, there's a great docuseries out on Means TV by Christopher Jason Bell called Miss Me Yet. It's definitely worth down. watching. He's done a great job. He, he actually just did this in his own time. This is just a passion project of his. He collected the footage, put the whole thing together, wrote the entire thing and produced it himself. It is quite good. So Means TV is free to watch. Definitely worth checking out. I was on the fence about spending so much time on talking about 9-11. But then I also remembered that the motive behind promoting the post 9-11 global war on terror and executing it like the U.S. did was to justify an unrestricted expansion of the U.S. security state. And that global terror was just a replacement. There's a, there's a boogeyman around every hovel. Exactly. Yes. And that the global war on terror was just itself a replacement for the Soviet Union as the enemy. And with that in mind, and knowing something about how the U.S. fomented and then manipulated UFO investigations to serve Cold War purposes, when we talk about 9-11, we're right back in it. Now UFOs, now a threat to national security. 
Exactly. Which is probably the direction that, and I don't think that's a direction we're going to end up going in a public sort of way because there's too many people that are skeptical of it. But I also think that they are feeling it out. I mean, right now, there's nobody really pushing back on military expenditure. Everything goes through. Every budget goes through. The usual suspects like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, you know, they, they have something to balk at. And they always will because they rightfully should. But nobody else does. Every budget goes through without really much contest. It doesn't mean that it is. This is this whole hearing this past summer wasn't maybe just a uh, an exploratory effort, just to see yeah. what the public yeah. response would be. Because uh, exactly. if the public really gets into it, then they got a new boogeyman. They got they mm-hmm. have aliens, which is something Ronald Reagan brought up as mm-hmm. as a unifying force for politics. Yeah. When I was on Ghost Stories for the End of the World for uh, the Halloween special, we kind of play like caricatures of ourselves. Um, my bit for one a couple of years ago was I was going crazy walking this line between inspired and insane. And I was uh, convinced that Project Bluebeam is real. For those who don't know, Project Bluebeam is the idea uh, proposed by Serge Monas, this Canadian psycho uh, who uh, it, it's a christian evangelical like dispensationalism type of thing it's it's the rapture it's the it's the left behind shit except it's not the actual rapture it's a false flag rapture um and they're going to do it to create a new world order somehow which doesn't really make sense not how international relations work but why do they just these shit they've been doing kind of makes sense (laughs) in it being real (laughs) (laughs) you know i i heard uh i heard naomi klein talking recently on QAA and they were, and she was talking about Naomi Klein. Yes, they did. And it was a great conversation, like props to those guys, because that's a fantastic guest to have. But she, she made a comment about how it was like the, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember her words exactly, but that they, they got the feelings correct, but the facts wrong. And that's where I go with this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, the conspiracy mindset in general, like, yeah, you got the feeling right. Yeah, there is a there is, in a sense, a consortium of of ultra wealthy people worldwide that have an undue amount of influence because of their wealth over our lives. They don't happen to be stealing children and drinking their blood, though. So yeah. you got the facts all fucked up, but the feelings are right. And that's, and I, I, that actually, to me, like some people that might be a depressing connection to make, but to me, that's actually heartening because you can rehabilitate somebody's facts, but it's a lot harder to rehabilitate their emotions and convince them that there is a problem. If they don't see the problem already, if they don't have a sense of it, you know, in their, in their bones or in their gut, then it's hard to convince them that it's there. Right. But if they if they have that and then they just get the details messed up, then that can be that can, that's something that's a vector you could reach. You know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, it's an entry point, possibly, I, at least. I, I think QAnon is a great example of this. Like, uh, I, I don't know how closely like, I went. I was an insane person for half a year with the Epstein stuff. Like, I could not stop thinking about reading about Epstein because it just doesn't end. No, that the web of all that bullshit is stretches so far yeah, that yeah, it, is, it just doesn't end. You're right. It doesn't end. We had a tiny peak for just a second and it shut like that. Yes. We, yep. And then you're right. It was the, 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 the window was open into that world for a moment to the public to see 
how some of these people comport themselves behind the scenes when they when they're outside of the public view which is where they live most of their lives and then you can see how what the kind of shit they get up to like no they're not drinking the blood of eight-year-olds but they are having sex with 13 and 14 year olds yep that's why that's QAnon's actually so happening sin- that's why QAnon's so sinister because it the thing like the the window shuts the the peephole shuts and then it's just weaponized and taken in this completely incorrect direction, even though the instinct is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Weaponized is totally the word for it because it it is something that is a real conspiracy. I, I, he was convicted. It's it, this isn't this isn't made up. We know he was doing human trafficking. And when mm-hmm. you have something very real that, that you can latch on to and say, hey, uh, people who are extremely powerful are chilling with this guy. Even after he was convicted the first time, by the way, let alone the second time, uh, that that should clue you in to the reality that there, uh, you know, to not the to use the abused word, there are elites. But we can explain those elites with some, you know, pretty simple math. We don't have to have a burning effigy of an owl. We we can we can just say, hey, yeah, uh, of course they do because they own the capital. That's that's how this works. And they get up to shenanigans and we know they get up to shenanigans. And then that gets derailed and taken into a very, uh, as as you said, sinister dire- direction. Now, I don't because blame, all of a sudden it's weaponized. I don't blame people for like believing that stuff either. Like, I mean, just I don't think it's remarked upon enough just how many people checked out of politics after 2008 and the financial crisis. Like none of the scumbag bankers going to jail. Everybody's just fucked. And uh it's hard to care about anything. I think that's what uh, Felix Biederman makes a point in his UFC uh, series about um, uh, fighting in the age of loneliness, about how like it's kind of where the sport blew up. It was 2008. Because it's just a bunch of like sort of directionless, like fucking loot guys who just are losers and aren't good at stuff except like, fighting. And the um, I don't blame people for thinking the stuff about like eating children and stuff. Like, nobody cares about politics. People are completely disillusioned with U.S. politics, kind of rightfully so. And then a lot of people are also very Christian. And like, if Epstein's able to get away with all this stuff, he has to be like a devil worshiping. Like, he has to have satanic powers, and he's probably eating children. I don't blame people for thinking that. Uh, and it sucks <laughs> that it was that it was seized upon by people like Alex Jones and all these other motherfuckers to spread way it did but look at the flight logs that to to little saint james i think is the name of the island yeah, rides, let's right? not forget that donald trump is literally one of his good friends yeah and bill clinton and you bill know, clinton. Talk, talk about shaking hands across the aisle yeah there there is no real distinction once you once you get to that level of involvement there's, you know, there's now no that's what I call bipartisanship. Exactly. Like, I, I did exactly. the shaking hands across the aisle thing jules come on <laughs> just had to one-up me I can't remember who it was, but there was a uh, an African the first president of some African country after they became a democracy. I can't remember who it was, but he had a famous quote where he said that um, the U.S. is a one-party state, but in typical American extravagance, uh, they have two of them. That's funny. It sounds like a French person said that. <laughs> uh, I think it, I think it was a French colony. Uh, oh, speaking of post nine eleven stuff, Africom is uh, maybe one of the most horrifying things that's come out of the post-9-11 uh, uh, empire, like established 2007, and it's just fucking everywhere in Africa. Nobody ever talks about it. Uh, beholden to no one. I'm really scared about 
us doing something in Niger with all this like pan-Africanism going on right now. Um, yeah, horrifying stuff. Also, uh, Chris Mellon assuredly played a role in a lot of that. So Chris Mellon is a figure that we come across when we get back into UFO disclosure as well. It's funny how you keep seeing these same names. So, you know, for the people who aren't, that don't have this kind of fascination, like I think the three of us have about the the figures and the events inside the UFO disclosure movement and surrounding it. I think everybody should understand all those people who don't quite see the fascination that these are the same people we see meddling in all of these other affairs in these different instances. You know, like they they get they don't just stick to the UFO stuff. Like, yeah, you have the the hardcore ufologists like Stephen Greer, who I mentioned in the last episode when we talked to Bradley, and mm-hmm. you know, who is definitely into the like revealing any classified information he can get his hands on. And Leslie Keene is another one, the one who wrote the New York Times article in 2017 that got David Grush uh going and but like the other people that are in this area are involved in all kinds of other stuff. You know, one of the one of the people that we'll probably get to in this episode, Robert Bigelow, this whole Skinwalker Ranch thing that he is largely known for is kind of just a sideline <laughs> because what he was mainly trying to do, at least, even though he was sort of only moderately successful with it, is run an aerospace company and get defense contracts. Mm-hmm. That's the world that he was trying to operate in before, you know, going after Skinwalker Ranch and all of this, you know, sensationalism that comes along with that. He was courting people like Senator Harry Reid and trying to get government contracts. Mm -hmm. So when we talk UFOs, we're not just talking UFOs and like, you know, everybody's fascination with or all these people's, not everybody's, all these people's fascination with abductions and encounters and stuff like that. We're talking about people who have just sort of weaseled their way into these government circles for for how that and that's the question. How'd they get there? What are they doing once they're there? What business do they have even being involved in this stuff? What's wrong with these government officials, these senators and congressmen and women that are allowing them in? Yeah, and then and then thinking about like the kind of the kind of shit they get up to once they get in there. Cuz they I mean, get in, they get up to some shit. And Chris Mellon is one of those people because of his yeah. Mellon family connection obviously. He is probably for those who don't know, when Tom DeLong formed his organization to the Stars Academy, which is in a lot of trouble currently for defrauding people because uh, they were taking, they had like an offering circle. They were taking investments from people. They were more or less promising that they were going to be able to build a spaceship uh, with their team of geniuses, which included the now like uh, ex-head of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, a CIA guy, a Mellon family member, and a um, legacy Bay of Pigs veteran spook. It's, it's the dream so, team is what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's all the worst people in the world. Like it's all just, it's a team of demons who are doing what? Like just lying to people that they're going to be able to build a spaceship and stealing their money. And that was like it. That was, this is, that was it. It seemed to be it, but I mean, they're all busy doing their own stuff. These team members are, it's hard to overstate just how fucked up all these people are. Chris Mellon, uh, I think is, probably the one pulling all the strings here. I think he's probably the one finger puppeting with his fingers up other people's buttholes. Uh, I think he's kind of calling the shots. I think he is the one who, he's the reason that Lou Elizondo like isn't a nobody. Like he's like, that's where his credibility stands. 
Could you tell? Could you tell everybody who Lou Elizondo is? I, I think you'll give fucking, a much better disc. I would fucking love. To. You'll you'll do a better job than me. Luis Elizondo is. Oh, I have I have a great intro for this. Actually, I wrote um, a Twilight Zone intro mock thing about Elizondo, like Rod Serling <laughs> reading it. All right, so the camera pans to Serling. It's like really like blurry thing. Settles on Serling. He's smoking. Mister Luis Elizondo, age unknown, rank unknown, a born and bred spook. A son of the Cold War, born to anti-Castro Cuban exiles and Bay of Pigs veterans, and raised and educated in American Contra land, Miami, Florida, Luis thought it best to join the family business, only to find himself, 30 years later, in a waking catabasis, trapped in moral isolation and uselessness, in between the sands of time and the chasm of space, about to collide head-on with his own mortality, failings, sense of self, in the ever blurring line between his lies and reality, here in fucking the USA. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, I wish he was in the Twilight Zone and not here with the rest of us. <laughs> I know, man. He's a. Uh, I mean, I have my own takes about Elizondo. It's 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 very confusing how he got to where he is now. Why he's doing this. Um, I don't think there's a grand conspiracy where like he's part of this giant. Uh, I. I, I have it on somewhat decent authority from people that uh, he made enemies in the Pentagon, may have uh, slept with somebody else's wife, um, and just fucking nobody liked him. And uh, this is the gentleman's way out, essentially. Um, <laughs> like burn after reading, or uh... <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh, yeah. Um, this is a uh, this is apart from like just ruining him. This is this is uh, sparing like. Um, he should count himself lucky, basically. And I think he's making the best of a bad situation. That's my, that's what I think personally. I can't necessarily confirm that, but I think it makes more sense than any other grand conspiracy. He's just a grifter now. Like, he's just making the best of a bad situation. He um, is, again, he also 100% CIA, like agency affiliated, like without a doubt. Um, again, his dad did the Bay of Pigs. He was in Castro's prisons taking orders from Alan Dulles. He joined the family business, went to uh, U-Miami, uh, read J.M. Wave, and he just decided he was going to join the Army after getting these advanced degrees in multiple sciences, including parasitology and biology. Doesn't really, uh, it's not a normal thing to do um, after getting science degrees. He was only in the Army for a few years. He hasn't even released his DD-214 his uh, service record. Like I have mine in my Google drive right now. I uh, give it to everywhere I apply for a job because I have my military service on my resume. He's never released it. No idea what units he was in. No idea what work he did. I have no idea what he did after he got out of the army because he's a spook and he is not to be trusted. He should count his lucky fucking stars. He's not already in hell getting torn limb from limb by the souls of his victims forever. He's a bad fucking guy. He says he did counter narcotics work in latin america after iran contra the fuck out of here <laughs> that that's always a, a pretty big red flag uh, uh that's school of the america's shit is what that is yeah I, i've always had this image in my head of um uh like a young like either teenager like child uh elizondo jr helping out his dad Eliz uh, elizondo senior and uh, his friends load up trucks that are like bound for Nicaragua. Nicaragua, <laughs> <laughs> like it just scans my head as being like a thing. Like he's clearly like 
all in. Like his dad, he always talks about his dad being a huge influence on him. He's still alive, by the way. Do we put the lo- rocket launchers in this in this carry on, or or is it in the next one? That's what I was thinking. Like big crates, <laughs> <laughs> right? Crates um, of small arms munitions and and grenades and things like that. Yeah, his dad's still alive. Like he uh, uh, he went on. There's a guy who was like a sort of he got he became like a UFO pod video podcaster. This guy Lou Angeles, I think his name is, and uh, he got disenchanted with UFO stuff after realizing it was bullshit. And at one point, he had um, his dad. Uh, it was I think there were three guys named Louise on that show because it was a father son thing where it was <laughs> Lou Angeles, his dad, and then Lou Junior. He's got all the makings of a sitcom. <laughs> When I posted the photo of it, so I, I think that um, Elizondo and his dad share a fedora. I think they live in the same house. Um, <laughs> and they wear the same fedora in different videos. Um, and I posted a thing about it. And two people responded. They were just so confused by everybody being named Louise. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it's good to see like when people like get on the UFO bandwagon or super for it, super gung-ho about it, and then just realize this bullshit and actually get out and like call people out on their bullshit. Cause not a lot of people are able to do that. What, what's his era? Like as far as like is his era, uh, his era of activity, as far as UFO, UFO stuff goes, when did he start? Elizondo? Yeah. Well, it's uh, hard to say because the, well, at least publicly, when did he start? Right. Uh, supposedly uh, there's no documents to back this up. He says that, but also, I'm still confused about like the difference between the ATIP program and the OSAP program. Um, the original December 2017 article that was written by Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal, first of all, got a bunch of shit wrong. Uh, just was factually incorrect on a number of counts, including the name of the group that like was doing got the $22 million contract, like facilitated by Harry Reid, to do paranormal type investigation work. They said it was UFO work. That's not true. What that money went to, what that $22 million went million dollars went to was fucking Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, because Bigelow had already, he already owned Skinwalker Ranch at that point. And he, he was, yeah. he was the connection. He was the bridge here. He's the bridge between everything. Yeah, because, <laughs> because the, because Harry Reid is, is, was the connection for him to government or at least one of the major connections. So that's the, that's the A-tip era. era. That was uh, I have in my notes at least whether this I mean this might be wrong but the, what I have is that ATIP was in operation from 20, 2007 to 2012. That's the say yeah. That but that is the 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 Bigelow period Bigelow Aerospace specifically. I yeah. mean that is the name of a gas station. That's not the name of a defense <laughs> contractor. And the I mean thing that's is, like a that's a travel stop on I forty or I seventy. I mean that's basically what he is. He he runs the fucking budget suites or whatever. He's the hotel mag. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, he really should be given showers to truckers. That is yeah. not what you put on your name of your aerospace company. Yeah. I mean, he, the other cool thing about this is that he and Musk, Elon Musk, had the same sort of trajectory. Bigelow decided that when he was 12, that he was going to do whatever it took to get rich so he could go to space. He uh, went to Arizona State, go Sun Devils, studied banking real estate. Uh, they, Arizona State's cool because they just let anybody in. Again, real estate guy, billionaire. He um, built like fucking tens of thousands of like units and like bought a few thousand and then interest, like held on to all of it right up until 2008, sold it all right before the crash, which he counts up to luck, which is um, okay. Uh, Founded Bigelow Aerospace in, I think, 99. 
they fucking made some rockets or whatever. They wanted to build a space hotel, I think is the big thing. Laid off entire workforce in 2020. I wonder if you got a PPP loan. Good for <laughs> COVID. I mean, basically, everybody did. If you didn't apply for one, you missed out. <laughs> I bet Bigelow got a giant PPP loan. Fucking that like Mueller She Wrote podcast got like thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars. I know. Loan. That is, uh, oh my God. What? Just like that is. If you didn't apply I, for one, you have a you're you're running a podcast. You have like one employee, maybe, and, and you didn't you, have to stop you, because of COVID. COVID doesn't affect your business. It's a fucking podcast. It's a podcast. That's what people yeah. did because of COVID, right? I bet I could have gotten a PPP loan if I tried. I know. I should have applied for one. Yeah, we all should have. We <laughs> fucked up. We fumbled that bag so bad. But basically, for our purposes, Bigelow is um oh, two purposes. He founded the National Institute for Discovery Sciences in, I believe, 95 um, and bought Skinwalker Ranch the following year. Uh, NIDS, National Institute for Discovery Sciences, was going to basically just do paranormal investigation. He was was fascinated by the cattle mutilations in the area at the time. Uh, Oh, that's another thing. I uh, was disappointed to hear you didn't include my psycho cattle mutilation theory in the last episode. What did I leave out? My cat what was your, what was your theory? That I, talked, that I think Diatlov Pass was the first cat mutilation. Did I cut that? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't on purpose. It, it wasn't because of the content. It was probably because of the flow of the episode. It's okay. You can cut this. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the, um, so we buy Skinwalker Ranch. He's. Um, it's not part of a cover up. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So he was. Uh, Honestly, I think he got just fucking bamboozled by the person who sold it to him. I think they just lied to him because <laughs> the previous owners didn't say they had anything spooky going on. It all came from this one person, Terry Sherman, I think they were called, uh, bought it from them for 200 K, uh, set up shop there with all the science boys, his science boys, his whole team also made up of the Stanford Research Institute, all the same guys that have been around since the 60s, 70s, doing men who stare at goat shit whispering in everybody's ear about ufo shit everybody who says that they have like a source in the intelligence community telling them about crash retrieval programs it's these fucking guys it's eric davis it's hal put off this is the crowd that that for everybody you know for for listeners this is the crowd that people talk about when they talk about the invisible college yes this is these guys who have been you know like you're saying bradley they have been around for 40 50 60 years in some cases like back into the seventies, like you said, talking about this stuff mm-hmm. and to anybody who will listen. And over the years, they've managed to collect some sympathetic people. And those people, some of them coincidentally have ended up with relative amounts of power. And they have, they have just continued working this angle constantly with everybody. It's gotten to the point where the efforts have paid off and there is kind of a center of gravity around these ideas now. Yeah, which the, is why, um, like, not to jump to like you can you can back me off and and backtrack here if you want, but good. well, like the 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 successor program to to ATIP was the UAPTF, and coincidentally, you know, UATP uh, UAT, UAPTF started in 2017 and was active until 2022. This organization, this time around, it had you know it was it was largely. Um, you know, sponsored, I guess, by Senator Marco Rubio. But this is where you get the introduction of Jay Stratton, David Grush, Travis Trailer. Again, I did it again. <laughs> I always say that dude's name is Travis Trailer. 
that, that dude is crazy. That would be Travis Taylor. Oh, he needs to get into the semi industry. He's got a he's got a great brand for it. Do- Doctor Doctor Travis. Taylor. Yeah, Doctor mm. Travis. Yeah, this all loops back to Skinwalker Ranch again because mm-hmm. all of these guys, yeah, they don't own Skinwalker Ranch. In fact, Bigelow sold it, didn't he? Bigelow sold it to another uh, billionaire real estate mogul uh, called Brandon Fugel, who spends every day calling out his low follower count haters on Twitter. He has a billion dollars. This is what he spends his time doing. Also, his company is called Adamantium because they're all fucking dorks. That is pretty <laughs> That is pretty dorky. But again, with all these guys with the UAPTF, yeah, it's the the ATIP officially ended operations. That is a closed project. UAPTF is allegedly a completely separate project. Okay. But it still has a Skinwalker Ranch connection. This is the same people with a different name. Look, you know, also, it's, it's the same DNA. The crazy thing is, like, there's no evidence that anything weird happened to Skinwalker Ranch. Never. None. None Bigelow whatsoever. Was there for, Bigelow was there for so many goddamn years with literal scientists with, like, all different types of sensors, cameras running 24-7. Nothing. Fucking nothing. Just stories. Uh, which are, thanks to George Knapp, were popularized in yes. alt, uh, alt magazines at the time. Um, and, and, and the Las Vegas News Network. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he was broadcasting these guys. I mean, he's the guy that gave uh, uh, Bob Lazar his first TV appearance. And he, where uh, he, was, also, he was disguised and silhouetted and used the, the pseudonym Dennis. Yep. He, uh, George Knapp is still at it, too. He uh, was... Um, at the uh, Grush hearings, he um, had a statement read into the congressional record. As He's also teamed up with Jeremy Corbell, which is yes. like, they're partners in crime now, which is fucking hilarious and just so debasing. I know. Um, with that ter- I, we, we talked about them the last time on their yeah. terrible podcast. Yeah. It is so bad. They have, so they have really bad. good graphic design for the show. And I can't remember the name of it, but I remember liking it. Weaponized. Uh, was that what it was? Weaponized? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it's, it's a it's it's got it's got really good branding, but my god, with it's the dullest show ever. I I couldn't I couldn't get past like ten minutes of listening to them drone on. Corbell is the corniest dude too. Like he yeah, is. He, also he really just, is. All the um uh, also the weaponized thing comes from a, a what basically became I don't know. He he plays it up like it wasn't a big deal, like he wasn't trying to make it like a branding thing. But he said something at one point, weaponized curiosity, and he said it just stuck. That's literally describing a psyop. <laughs> yeah, that like no, there's no way somebody said weaponized curiosity, and that stuck with anybody. That I mean, is not he, a sticky. That's not a sticky expression. The only I mean, he has hardcore main character syndrome, and he just like I mean, if you look at his Wikipedia page, it's all curated by him. Except the writers are on strike, so <laughs> <laughs> he so is you can tell. such a fucking psychopath. Like it is crazy. He and George Knapp teamed up, but again, they both hang out with Robert Bigelow and John Lear. So John Lear, that would be the founder of the Lear Jet Company. The son of him. Son of him. That's right. The son of the founder. Yeah, he's, he's all fucked up because he got in a bad crash. He was a Air America pilot. Oh, um, no so, kidding. Yep. And uh, also, interestingly, uh, during the middle of COVID, Marco Rubio, it's like literally during the middle of the pandemic. But at its worst, was trying to pass a bill to get CIA drug traffickers from Air America um, pensions and um, retirement funds. It's called the Air well, America I mean, Act. He, I mean, wasn't wasn't he uh, 
heading up a UAPTF anyways? He has backed He wasn't in charge of it. He just sponsored it. He was, he was so sponsored. Up, I mean, yeah. from Congress, you not heading up, but yeah. He was a hype Congressional man, yeah. sponsorship. Yeah, he was a big hype man. He uh, gave it legitimacy, I guess, even though it's Marco Rubio. Like, you should immediately, your sus radar should be going off. Uh, the most hollow politician. Like, he's just a lackey for the intelligence community. I mean, like, it's, uh, it's, man, those Florida guys are so fucked up. Him, Rubio Gatt, is whatever the people who are handling him want him to be. Right, he becomes exactly. whatever. I mean, the, the guy, he has, there is no, there is no guy there. Right. He's just, just a shell of a person. Same with DeSantis. Interestingly, yeah. oh, there's yeah. broken people. Interestingly, uh, DeSantis, biggest donor, Robert Bigelow. Shut up. <laughs> no Not way. I didn't know that. Yep. Oh, shit. Wow. That, yep. that all ties Which together. Which is crazy. I d- why? Literally why? Um, there has wow. to be a reason. It's not because he's just like, it's not because of his uh, very charismatic personality. It's, <laughs> but there's some, there's something there. There's no, but nobody like Bigelow is doing anything unless there's something in it for him. Yeah. There, there's gotta be something in it for him. And it certainly isn't, you know, like four years of the DeSantis reign. That's not what he's after. He could give a shit about that kind of stuff because people with, with that degree of wealth, they, it doesn't matter who the president is to them anyway. Right. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean anything because every every one of these public figures, all these elected officials are just uh, either they're a vector to get something he wants or an obstacle. I just remembered. So DeSantis, have you, have you read about his time at Guantanamo as a Navy man? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he was the guy that was helping to uh, helping the, the, the special forces to force feed all the deten- detainees, mm-hmm. even though his job was there to be to take ensure their, their rights yeah yeah exactly. take their complaints and ensure their that they were being traded humanely yeah because he was a lawyer is is the craziest part yeah so w- what he actually did is he he took all their he took all their complaints and then reported back to the the torturers the shit that was really having an effect and then they did that more yep and uh i remember reading an interview with one of them where um uh got to the guy got to literally projectile vomit in ron santis's face which must have wow. been so satisfying. What a brief yeah. moment of satisfaction. Whoever that man is deserves a medal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like the guy throwing the shoe at Bush. Yes. Yeah. It uh, is just yeah. like that guy, that journalist and from Iraq. Yeah. Can we talk about Bush's cat-like ref- reflexes dodging two shoes like that? Honestly, I mean, shocking. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have expected it. That was good. I mean, like... I, I, hey, he deserved to get hit by he deserved to get hit by the shoes, but the fact that he ducked him that that was pretty amazing. What yeah, what is com- lost a little bit? And by the way, there's a statue of that guy in Iraq now. Um, rocks. I think he's like he holding the shoe. Like everybody on Twitter too. Does he? That's awesome. <laughs> if you post about it, he'll reply to you. Yeah. But the um the what's not really immediately obvious is the cultural significance of the shoe in that area of the world which is seen as as being the most profoundly insulting thing. So, I mean, you can imagine a shoe is insulting and throwing a shoe at somebody is insulting, but it's specifically culturally relevant there as like the most insulting thing you could do is is to have a shoe thrown at you. Mm-hmm. But anyways, what I was going to say was um, uh, DeSantis, I'm not, I have to look up the dates, but DeSantis and Elizondo might have been there at the same time. Oh, really? No kidding. But anyways, the um, yeah, Bigelow being interested in Florida politics does not surprise me. 
uh, DeSantis kind of, because I, I just, I'm confused about what's going on there. But yeah, I mean, Florida's just such a fucking weird place. You don't get it. Other, all, like, the, the, the three big guys, Gats, Rubio, DeSantis, they're all just broken men. Like, what goes on behind the scenes in Florida, man? Like, have you seen I that? I think it might have been buried on a, like, an, an indigenous gravesite. And, uh, the whole country the, is. The, well, the, the whole, whole country whole place is. is. is haunted. The entire, the entire, the entire U.S. is haunted. Yeah, the, uh, so, um, there's a guy, uh, Jeremy McGowan, who um, uh, I've talked to on the phone a number of times. He's he's good people. He um, was a he was Air Force. He was doing like secret squirrel stuff for the Air Force for a while. Uh, got out. He saw an ad for Unidentified, the History Channel show. When he was in a very low spot in his life, and he uh, reached out because he had a UFO experience on this really fucking weird mission in the Jordanian desert, um, where his really classified uh, couldn't like tell the family where he's going, whatever. It was just he gets taken out to the desert, wasn't even told the mission, and he just gets stationed at this big box in the middle of the desert and is told to guard it uh, and not to let anybody near it, and that's it. And uh, he, that night, he turned on his NBGs because he was fucking bored, starts looking at the sky, sees the same thing darting just like that, like crossing the sky in a couple seconds, then just repeating. Um, and uh, he reached out to Unidentified, Lou Elizondo, um, to go on the show. Because it's, uh, again, shows all military witnesses, all just military witnesses. And uh, it's pretty obvious, like the messaging that they're trying to go for. But so McGowan goes on the episode about nukes, uh, UFOs and nukes, because he suspects that it was some type of like, um, like a, what do you call it? A broken arrow mm-hmm. uh, from a former Soviet state. Um, and uh, don't know if that's true, but uh, he did this on the condition. He went on the show on the condition that they help him find the guy he was there with, because he was there with another guy who also saw it. Didn't want to fucking talk about it. He like looked through the night vision goggles, looked up, just took them off, just walked away <laughs> right back to the fucking box because they were off on a hill smoking, peeing or something. History Channel and Lou Elizondo did not follow up, did not honor that um, condition. And uh, he um, also, like he, uh, he was tight with Elizondo for a while too. Like he, um, they were going to do a show together. Jeremy McGowan is a very smart man. He turned his Land Rover into a UFO detecting machine. Like, it just fucking kitted out. He calls it Osiris. And um, it, it's so sick. He just takes it in the desert and drives it. And it's just like a data like input thing. Um, it's fucking awesome. And he uh, he's part of an organization now called UAPX, I think. And uh, he just spoke at that thing in um, Salt Lake City. Uh, he's, he's good people, though. He's not like a coon. We've been working our way through the the recent history of at least Pentagon sponsored uh, UFO programs, and we're at Arrow at you know from 2022 now, and this really seems to be like it really seems to be a different vibe compared to the earlier the more recent programs that have that have already been closed up. It kind of does because the UFO people don't like it. 
Yeah, and that that tells me a lot, actually. That's a good sign, yeah. That is a very good sign. You know that. So you know, currently with this Arrow program, I you know I didn't include in my notes the name of the director. I can't remember that guy's name, but you know, actually, I I don't know if you're familiar with him, Bradley, but the 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 UFO debunker, I guess. I mean, he's more than that, but Mick West, the, Mick West, exactly. He actually he he's he's pretty much a fan of the the current Arrow program mm-hmm. because the 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 attitude that they have is that they they don't they they're fairly free of an agenda. They're not really trying to prove disprove things, and they're not necessarily trying to substantiate you know preconceived notions about UFOs. They're just exploring the data. That is good. Yeah. As far as the UFO program goes, it's like I mean that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, the one thing I mean, I personally like it's, it's also like it's just serves a national security purpose like they're not like actually like they don't care about like the ufo phenomena per se they're not looking for aliens they're i mean to the extent of whatever whatever their projects are it seems to be limited to just looking at aerial phenomena mm-hmm. aerial and aerial phenomena almost entirely means uh drones and aircraft and balloons the in, in its entirety, there's this guy, Christopher Sharp, who uh, is, I think he writes for The Debrief a lot. He writes for The Daily Mail. He has his own site that he's founded to do, Lou Elizondo PR, called Liberation Times, which he still writes for. Uh, and just, <laughs> I, I, th- I think it was just today that he said that um, uh, the UFO phenomena and foreign drone and aerial threats are one and the same. He's, he's on the UFO train, like so hard it's like ridiculous the amount of dick riding he does for elizondo the like it's just shameless even jeremy corbell tweeted once uh what is a drone <laughs> Perfect. what is a drone but Perfect. but aliens in disguise it's such, it's <laughs> such you know, a good line that angle too is that 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 relates to another tidbit from the the history of UAPTF is that when they went back and and analyzed the some data like the the data that had been collected during those you know five years or so that that program was running, they found that U.S. airspace had been infiltrated probably by by Chinese balloon type devices, you know, like multiple times. And based on the data that had been recorded, just from just from the the t- like uh, the like radar installations and and other and other types of uh, of sensing technology, they they found numerous instances of the airspace being invaded. Mm-hmm. You know, just so basically, just like this Chinese balloon that captured everybody's attention for a few days, it was the same deal, except nobody noticed it. Right, and nobody noticed it. Because nobody was paying attention because they were looking for fucking aliens. Right. (laughs) Like, it it, it is so crazy that that should happen. I don't know why they made such a big deal those few days. Because what else are we going to fucking do? What what else do we have? What else does does any of us have going on? That's that's it. (laughs) Especially since weather balloons have gone across so often before. That wasn't a weather balloon. Or uh, yeah, this one was a sp- probably for spying, but uh, they're probably all for spying. But again, you know, like either shoot it down or don't. I'm saying it's happened so many times before. Why this time? Is it is it the big public right. attention getting thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, if if the jet stream blew the other direction, we'd be doing it to China. To be clear, I'm uh, I'm pro Chinese spying on the U.S. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm do it. <laughs> I know, I know which way, I know which way it wins blowing. Yep. <laughs> so to speak. Blows to the east. 
Good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, been, I've been telling friends that I'm going to be the first white person to fight for the U.S. Army, the PLA, and the first Bigfoot Brigade. Speaking of Bigfoot, oh, there's the segue. <laughs> Before that, I'm gonna have I'm gonna come up with another segue because I have a couple things to talk about first with 9/11 and stuff. Uh, okay. Let's see. Um, <laughs> We got, yeah, bring some 9-11 stuff back in because you mentioned the 9-11 uh, UFO connection. Yes. Chris Mellon is, uh, I, 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 again, I think he's acting in pure cynical bad faith. This is the man who um, founded, like, was instrumental in creating the Special Forces Command. He was the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence under a Democratic and a Republican president. He uh, is the by far the highest ranking of any of these fucking people involved in the UFO world. Uh, had far more of the goods than anybody else, uh, oversaw black budget stuff. Like, it's crazy the amount of stuff. And right before the Grush hearing, he made a comment on News Nation that he is also merely an I've been told guy. Und- completely undisguised. Mm. Uh, I hadn't heard him say that. Um, he also, uh, he has a blog, I think it's ChristopherMillon.net, which I don't know why net, but... Um, he is a the king of gaslighting. He will drive you fucking insane. Uh, he also like he's talking about Roswell being the original sin of the UFO cover up. Like he's uh, he's doing UFO info ops. Uh, he is a bad fucking guy and is the smuggest person in the world doing it. I hate him so much. He wrote an article in American Legion called "A Threat Unmet" a few years ago, a couple years ago, and it concludes with him saying that UFOs could pose another Pearl Harbor 9-11. <laughs> Literally says that's, that. He said, yeah. See, the thing true. I don't get about people who read that kind of stuff is what, 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 what's the kind of person, you know, like what, what's the this is an what American sort of demographic leech. box does the person, does a person fit in who reads an article like that and, and nods their head and thinks that, you know, this guy is right on it. I he mean, understands completely. I mean, this wasn't who, in, who buys that? This this wasn't in the Hill. This was in American Legion, the biggest veterans network in the like country. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is crazy. Uh, he on his blog, he always goes back and forth and shit. Like he he's um, also like as soon as like these um, the new NDAA legislation was established or whatever, he also like finally like said what I've been saying forever, and it's like now we need to. Um, uh, there needs to be moves made to change the way the government classifies stuff regarding UFOs. Fuck you! That wasn't the point. You were just telling us to get. You just telling us to get disclosure. Uh, you said if we wrote our Congress people, we could do it. Uh, we got hearings. We got like in Congress. We got Congress people on board. We got legislation. Now the goalposts get moving further, and uh, this was obviously the case the whole time. Like, obviously the case was going to be classified. I've been saying this since the beginning. It's national security stuff. It's it's not going to... There's no disclosure. There's nothing to disclose. Well, that, that too, yeah. <laughs> because everything that, that is that is still... Uh, that is still being protected and is still viewed as national security, it's going to be all of these... You know, like, all of these, like, misinformation ops... Yeah. You know, like that's the stuff that's still going to be protected. That's the stuff that's still going to be like be kept locked up. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing to disclose. There's no bodies. Grush said, "Hey, uh, I, I'd be happy to tell you about that in a closed setting." Uh, to almost every oh. question that was being asked, and 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 saying, "Oh, that's classified." But also, he's saying 
Mussolini had a crash flying saucer. Like he's saying all the big things. Like what could be more sensitive than the U.S. getting a crash flying saucer from Mussolini? He said all those things because that's not actually classified material because it's not real. That's fake. Yeah. <laughs> he just made it up. Oh, like, I don't give a shit if he swore an oath to tell the truth. He didn't even make that one up. That's long debunked. Like you said, he's an I heard from some guy sort of guy. They all are. That's that's his whole deal. And those somebodies are Eric Davis and Hal Putoff. <laughs> yeah. But that's why he can say all that stuff in an open in an open hearing it's not because true. it's not real. It's right. just made up. Yep. It's just it's just there's nothing classified about his lies, you know, or or just the or the lies that he's been told that he's repeating. What is classified, however, are you know like any kind of disclosure of of, of uses of particular technology or collection techniques or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But the findings. There's probably nothing classified there. It's just how the information was received. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, I I just can't get over how people take him seriously after saying the Mussolini thing. It's a long debunked hoax. Okay, everybody. That is it for this episode. Our conversation with Bradley ran really long, so we decided to break it up into two parts. Patreon subscribers will be able to hear the second half of this conversation when the next subscriber episode drops next week. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WetWiredPod and on Discord. That link will be in the show description. Until next time. Later, everybody. April 9th, 2021. Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, passes away at the age of 99. As publications across the world report on his incredible life, it comes to light that the prince had a long-held fascination with the UFO phenomenon. When Prince Philip died in the spring of 2020, 21, there was a bit of a surprise to the British public, and that was that Prince Philip had a huge collection of books on UFOs that went right back to the mid-1940s. And here you have the Queen's husband, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, researching and investigating UFOs. Had the news got out, it would have caused a sensation.